Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on October 9th, 2022. Due to a technical problem, the recording this week starts just after the start of Ian's reflection. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. In one sense, it, it seems one of the easiest stories to understand, um, illustrating the theme of gratitude, which is one that we've, we've looked at, and I looked at using the metaphor of listening to rain, um, the importance of uh, having an attitude of gratitude. And we have in this story, we have Jesus once again walking in the region between Samaria and Judea, uh, which is an important geographical detail because it suggests that Jesus has actually come from Samaria, which was an incredibly hostile place for Jews. And Jesus is constantly taking the disciples out of their comfort zone into uh, areas. He's not keeping them in the safety of uh, Judea. And on this journey, they meet the ten lepers, suffering from, uh, as Carol said, this debilitating disease physically, But uh, even one, uh, I think socially more uh, debilitating because it ostracized them from society, from being integrated into any part of society, whether that was work, home. And so the chances are that they would have met them outside the village because the lepers wouldn't have even been able to be integrated in the village. And it made me think, actually, that one of the biggest, uh, certainly, reasons of mental health and issues is isolation, is isolation in in our society. So a really crippling disease in every way. And Jesus, as always, doesn't try and avoid the lepers, which is what most people would do. They'd circle around, avoid them, but he actually engages with them, encounters them, and responds to their plea for mercy by telling them um, uh, to show themselves uh, to the priests, which we've uh, looked at. And as I said earlier, uh, in the Jewish uh, religion, only priests could pronounce a leper clean, and they would be found in the temple in Jerusalem. And to the lepers' credit, they actually respond, they show great faith and they obey Jesus and they start on their journey uh, to to Jerusalem to be cleansed. And significantly, uh, again as I said before, they're miraculously healed on their way before they reach the temple. Which again I think is Jesus saying that healing does not have to always happen through this centralised Uh, religious place because they had complete control the temple over pretty much everything you had to go through them to be baptized you had to go through them to be healed you had to go through them uh, and so on so he's democratizing faith that it can happen outside the temple religion it can happen in the countryside and again that he himself is God's authentic high priest and then we have uh, as a Uh, Naomi said, only one leper is so filled with gratitude that they're compelled to make the effort to come back 
and thank Jesus for, by prostrating themselves on the ground before him. And this is uh, the punchline that jumped out at me uh, um, was, and he was a Samaritan. And I'm not saying it's right, I actually think some of your other punchlines are probably just as valid. Um, a despised and hated figure to many Jews. Um, a, a double outsider, if you like, because he's a leper as, uh, and also a Samaritan. And a bit like Jesus healing on the Sabbath, the Gospel writers, especially Luke, seem to stress Samaritans doing the right thing. It's a good Samaritan who crosses the road to help a man beaten and robbed. It is a Samaritan woman at the well who becomes a powerful witness to Jesus as the Christ. And again, here, it's a Samaritan man who comes back to, to give Jesus thanks. So clearly, Luke and the Gospel writers are trying to make a point by constantly referencing that it's a Samaritan that's doing it. And I think they're trying to make the point that one, our, we, we have a common humanity. That those we see as other are actually like us. That God's love is wide enough, big enough, magnanimous enough to include everybody. Even those considered outsiders. Even those that society uh, may, might see are beyond redemption. And secondly, uh, we can learn from anybody and everybody, just not uh, those that are like us. So we can learn from the refugee, the homeless person, that these people um, who are being vilified in some parts of the, the press can actually enrich our lives and become our teacher. The homeless person can become our teacher. It, it puts us on a similar level, that we're not sort of above helping. Um, just as the Samaritan is teaching the Jews about gratitude in this story. And then thirdly for me, uh, and the one uh, that really hits home to me, is how easy it is for uh, uh, somebody who's in the insider group which I would uh, consider myself as a, a male, white, uh, university uh, educated, that I'm actually part of an insider group. And how easy it is to actually have a sense of entitlement which prevents me from really having, showing gratitude in many instances. And I think in our Old Testament story, we see this sense of entitlement playing out with Naaman, the ultimate insider uh, who's the esteemed commander of the king's army. And once again, it's the wise actions and words that come from the outsiders. Firstly, a lowly unnamed captive girl who suggests to Naaman, Naaman's wife that Naaman should go and see the prophet Elijah. And clearly Naaman listens to his wife and goes to visit Elisha. And this great commander arrives outside Elisha with lots of pomp and ceremony, no doubt, to meet the prophet. But Elisha doesn't come out. Again, shows great humility because he could have been the center of attention. 
but he doesn't come out to meet him. Instead, he sends a lowly messenger uh, to tell him to wash in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman is incensed that he doesn't have a personal audience with Elisha. He's already imagined in his mind a scene where he would come out, the prophet would come out, wave his hand over him, and he would be dramatically healed in front of everybody. But the process Elisha puts in place requires Naaman to actually show a degree of humility and obey Elisha's instructions. Naaman's initial response is to feel dishonored, affronted, especially when he's told to wash in such an insignificant river as the Jordan, which bears no comparison to the great rivers of Damascus. And yet again in the story, the outsiders, his unnamed servants, convince Naaman to obey Elisha's commands. And when Naaman does immerse himself seven times in the Jordan, he is miraculously healed. Finally, Naaman sees and experiences the grace of God and returns to Elisha and proclaims that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And so, as I've said, it's so easy as part of this, uh, an insider group to let our sense of entitlement stop us living with an attitude of gratitude. It's so easy to be triggered and go straight to being upset if we do not receive what we think we deserve, to judge others, to blame others, and to forget to be thankful for what we have. And uh, I have a personal story that uh, showed this to me really clearly. Um, It was a hospital appointment down in Kent, Medway, where I had to travel a few hours to see uh, a, a sports specialist consultant knee surgeon that I'd waited uh, for about six months to see him. And I had an appointment about two o'clock in the afternoon and I waited in the waiting room and I waited and I waited. And, and during that time I felt more and more angry uh, and upset. And I was getting very little response from the staff who were preoccupied and busy and not really paying me much attention. And it got to around about six o'clock, so four hours later, um, where I decided to leave because I had quite a long, long drive home. And I psyched myself up for a final rant um, at uh, the person at reception, at which point the surgeon came down to the waiting room dripping with sweat, uh, just overalls covered, and apologized to me Uh, that he hadn't seen me and explained that there'd been a multiple pile-up on the M25 uh, and he'd been doing operations uh, since at least midday that day. And suddenly my whole being, my whole kind of uh, thinking changed at that moment. I realised I wasn't the centre of all that, that was going on in that waiting room. My anger uh, actually changed to admiration for this staff who were running around. You could clearly see they'd prioritised things and making sure that the the people that needed the help most uh, were getting it and thereby actually saving lives. And and I apologised for my rudeness, sat down, and I waited patiently. My whole attitude, I just just waited patiently and I was just uh, supremely grateful 
for all the work uh, that these people were doing. And that kind of shift in consciousness, uh, has always, I've always gone back to that moment to see how easy it is for us to have a sense of entitlement um, and uh, respond uh, without uh, gratitude. And again, from my experience, I've always been struck, um, my experience abroad in India uh, and other places where people have very little, uh, but also in this country, how somehow those who have very little uh, have a potential to express and feel gratitude more easily. It's a very big generalization, uh, uh, but more easily than those who have much. It, it feels that it should be the other way around. Not always the case, uh, but certainly uh, from my experience, it is. And I do think it, is, it does come down to the dangers of being part of an insider group, which then develops this sense of uh, entitlement if we're not careful. And again, uh, uh, some <coughs> stories from my teaching career. I taught in two very different comprehensive schools uh, with different catchment areas. One was Waltheoff School on the Manor Estate, uh, which when the steelworks in Sheffield closed, created long-term unemployment and profound uh, deprivation. And although it was tough and our results were never uh, outstanding, I think we, we managed to go from 16% A to C's and we got it up to 27%, which compared to the national average is pretty uh, low, but uh, actually was a huge significant um, achievement uh, by many of the staff there. And I was always struck by the gratitude of the parents, uh, certainly those that engaged in their children's welfare, not all did, um, for all that we did. And I was also, the gratitude shown by the children in their own unique and clumsy way, uh, uh, they would always, years after I'd left the school, if I met them, they'd always sort of bounce up to me um, and were incredibly friendly. And that contrasted with uh, Lady Manor School in Bakewell, again, another really good uh, school and, and, and lovely students and parents, but where high, there was high expectations for, many of the uh, for the children. And as I said, many of the parents and children were delightful, but there was certainly a sense of entitlement with uh, some. And I do remember, and it, it resonates with this story, I was fortunate enough to have an exceedingly a uh, bright A-level class who achieved exceptional results, ensuring that they all uh, went to first choice universities, including a number to Oxbridge. And out of a class of 13, only one parent uh, came and said thank you, uh, which I wasn't uh, greatly upset by, but I, I, I did reflect that uh, if they hadn't got the results, I'm sure a lot more would have come to see me. Um, and, it, and that... that that made a, a huge impact. And uh, as I said, I just uh, increasingly integrate into my prayer life reflections. I start with just listing all the things um, that I'm grateful for. I think Oren did a wonderful poem where he talked about uh, thinking about all the things that you're, you're grateful for. Now, I am not for one moment saying that we should not learn to be uh, assertive, that we should not stand up for ourselves in certain vo uh, 
times that, that we shouldn't be angry when it's appropriate. But I do th uh, all those things are really important, I think, to lead a healthy life. But I think we should try and ensure that we do not take for granted the wonderful things that we have, the blessings, to use religious language, that come to our way every day. And through doing so, cultivate an attitude of gratitude from which the rest of our lives flow. Richard Rohr, when uh, I heard uh, him talk about this passage, he thinks that the leper who came back was grateful before the healing, that he had an attitude of gratefulness before, and that uh, uh, flowed out. So if we have, if, we, if this is the foundation of our lives, gratitude for nature, gratitude for our very breath, the simple things in life, then I think we can decide to then assert our rights uh, and it'll come from a healthy place. Amen. Uh, on this Homelessness Sunday, we're going to be thinking quite a lot about, in the prayers, about those without homes. Uh, before we start the prayers, I thought we'd just have a few seconds silence while we all think of just a couple of words that sum up what home means to us before we start. The response from the prayers is Father and Mother of us all, and will you respond, bring us home to you. Father and Mother of us all, bring us home to you. God who created the world to be home for us all, help us to appreciate the intense pain of those driven from their homes by war. From all that is familiar, from half of their family. Give us wisdom and generosity to support them. But above all, we pray for peace so that all can occupy their chosen homes in safety from war and aggression. Father and mother of us all, bring us home to you. And we remember those from our own city who have lost the security of home. On this Homelessness Sunday, we pray for the local charities which tackle homelessness. We remember Bethany and Cyrenians. And we remember everyone who will use the Bethany night shelter this winter. Father and mother of us all, bring us home to you. Help us to learn from the story of Naaman the Syrian, not to take ourselves too seriously, or be offended when others don't listen to us, or give us the respect we feel we are due. Give us self-awareness about our own weirdness and weaknesses, and patience with the weirdness and weaknesses of others, and help us to put the interests of others first rather than our own. Father and mother of us all, bring us home to you. As a difficult winter approaches, we pray for those in a position of power to decide how money is spent, 
that they may spend it wisely so that those who need protection may get it. And help us all to learn from the generosity of the poor and the courage of the powerless what our role should be in making Leith a better place this winter. Father and mother of us all, bring us home to you. We pray for our community here and online, remembering in, in particular those who sometimes find it hard or impossible to get out and for whom Zoom is a lifeline. Give us wisdom to know as we go forward how to strengthen the bonds between us. Father and mother of us all, bring us home to you. And we pray for all those we know and love who are struggling with fear and anxiety just now. Fear of the present, fear of the past, and fear that the pain of the past will continue to dominate the present and the future. Comfort those who mourn, heal the sick, and accompany the dying through death's river to the light beyond. Father and mother of us all, bring us home to you. Finally, Lord Jesus, make us like the Samaritan who remembered who had healed him and came back to say thank you. Thank you for your love, for all your gifts, and particularly for all those people whose lives have enriched us beyond measure. And may the light of gratitude shine from our lives. Amen. Thank you.
thanks for all that you give us. And help us increasingly in our lives to show you and others gratitude for all the blessings and good things that come to us. Amen. We say together, God, the source of all that is, with joy we have offered thanksgiving for your love in creation and the bread and, bread and the wine of the kingdom. By your grace, plant within us a reverence for all that you give us and make us generous stewards of the good things we enjoy. Amen.